Hello, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Potter Time. Ryan Lindley here with Eric Myers and Potter alum and current assistant baseball coach, Will Hayden. Will, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Yeah, glad to be here. Glad we could uh, make this work. So, Eric, I'll let you kind of jump in first question for Will, but obviously it's awesome to have him here and, you know, to get a perspective, not only just his days as a Potter, but professional baseball, college baseball, all sorts of great stuff. So, well, what, let's just jump to the chase. What's it like to be a part of a major league baseball organization that isn't playing right now, right? So you had to come back some more and you're still training, doing everything. What's going through your mind? It is bringing along a lot of anxiety. Um, just being 26 right now, be 27 in October, you know, careers kind of coming down to an end and, and missing a whole season would be devastating for me and, and my development. Um, you know, but it, it is tough, you know, training every day, throwing, throwing bullpens, still getting out there, getting my work in and not really knowing if there will be a season. Um, you know, you hear things of the major league teams trying to play without fans. Uh, I don't think minor league teams could afford not having fans. You know, that's how they make their money. That's how they pay. Uh, minor leaguers, their low salary, that's so luxurious. Um, <clears throat> but Honestly, I, the best policy. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what their plan is, but it's, you know, like being in the dark and, and not knowing what's next is, is definitely nerve-wracking and, and, you know, making me anxious and that stuff. But, you know, just, just keep putting in the work, and, and hopefully there's a season, you know, sometime this summer. Yeah, okay. Oh, I'm going to go? Sweet. You're going to go. All right. So, so building off that, you leave ISU and you get drafted to the Major League Baseball organization. What's that like? You know, you've been doing that for several years now, every year, something kind of a little bit different. But what's it like if someone from Morton, Illinois, played high school baseball, went to ISU, and they get drafted? I mean, share with the Potter world what it's like to be a professional athlete. So it was like the greatest – day getting drafted it was just everything wrapped into one you know you, you think back to your travel days to your your summer you know you're going on the circuit and playing all around the country and and traveling and, and all this and all the hard work that you put in just all all kind of come together on one day and then you have a celebration we went to red rock here in town you had a, a celebration and then Two days later, a kid who's never left Central Illinois really gets flown out to Peoria, Arizona, and you're, you're on your own. You know, you, you don't know anybody. You know, I didn't know one person. You hop on a plane. You see other guys. You know, we fly from Peoria to Chicago to Phoenix. You see other guys with their gloves and their bags, and, you know, you kind of try to make friends, you know, but then you're always going your separate ways, and, and then you're just – you're on your own, really, and, you know, being in college and – only 30 minutes from home, mom could do laundry. You know, I could, I could run home for a burger or something, you know, but this is you're on your own. Every meal, breakfast, lunch, dinner, that you're not at the complex, you're on your own. And, and it was definitely a maturing um, time for me. And, and you grow up pretty quick at 21, I think I was when I was drafted. So it was definitely, definitely different, but exciting. You know, you, you put on the San Diego, we were blue and white at the time you put those colors on and you know you just felt like you belonged and seeing big leaguers walk around it was, it was pretty surreal Sweet. talk to us a little bit about I mean that sounds amazing talk to us a little bit about this experience that you've had as a professional baseball player what are some of the highlights or memories you recall going through this experience 
Yeah, the, the biggest one that, that stands out to me is, uh, I think it was back in 2017, we played in Peoria. I played for the Fort Wayne 10 Caps. I think I had 50 or 60 people on the pass list. Like I'm going around, you know, where we're each player is allowed four, four passes. And I'm like asking all my, but you know, cause we have some, you know, Latin America players, you got kids from California all over where they don't use their tickets. But so I'm going around asking everybody, Hey, can I borrow your tickets? And I'm having to take a picture of, of the pass list and send it to my parents. You know, we had like 50 people. My buddy, Matt Hungate flew in from Washington, DC at the time, you know, it was just, it was a big deal. Like grandparents, brother, sister. Um, and I, I, they all came on a Friday night and I wasn't really slated to pitch that night, but there was a, uh, another player had to leave town real quick, had to go handle some family business. And uh, I was the long, long relief that day. So I, I, I threw three innings and the Peoria chief stadium, all the fans are, are right on top of you. So all my buddies are sitting there. They call me down. They're like, Hey, warm up. I'm like, Oh, I'm nervous. I, I don't know what's going on. And I like, can't feel my arm. I'm just like throwing, just so nervous, just balls everywhere. I'm like, Oh man, this is going to be brutal. So I go out on the mound, you know, I think like the fourth or fifth inning in my first warm up pitch, I like slip and I just eat it. I'm just lay, laying on the mound in front of, and I don't know if everybody saw it, but I know some people did. And I'm just like, yo, this is not going to go well. Like I, I was freaking out, but it, it turned out to be, one of my best professional outings. Uh, I think I went three innings, six strikeouts, something like that. And, and it was, it was definitely, you know, everything came full circle. You know, I, I played high school ball on that field, then get to play professionally in front of friends and family. It was just, it was amazing. Um, and then, and then playing with, with guys like Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, and seeing Mark Pryor and Mark McGuire and Moises Alou and being around all these guys and, and kind of picking their brain, Trevor Hoffman. Um, I think those, those are the memories and the moments that I'll, I'll keep with me forever is learning from those guys and asking questions and then just talking to them like, like human beings at, at lunch or on a backfield or whatever, but stuff like that. It was just, it was crazy. That's awesome. Awesome. Um, you just named a bunch of fantastic guys and players obviously that will be familiar to anybody is there one guy that really stands out somebody that you've encountered in your career that you just you know maybe made a connection with or gave you some advice or anything like that yeah I had I had a really so my first two or three years Mark Pryor was our um, minor league pitching coordinator so he was the head head guy and we kind of just hit it off, kind of could joke around. And then when it was in, inside the lines, we were, we were pretty serious and, and, you know, trying to get to work. But him and I had a really, really good conversation um, every time he was in town. You know, we kind of got along, could joke around. Um, when stuff got real, you know, I could call him up and, and we could, you know, he would shoot me straight. And that was something I could really respect because it's, it's a business. Minor league baseball is a business and there's a lot of, logistics that go into it you know how much money you got your draft status your your age but mark uh he was a guy that that would shoot me straight you know just kind of being a, a college guy um we're kind of behind the the eight ball a little bit just because you got latins who are getting drafted at 16 or signed at 16 you got the high school kids you know those are their bonus babies their their investments um but you know i had a rough time uh 
when I was a starter in 2017 and, you know, I called uh, Mark Pryor up and, and kind of just talked to him what they thought. And, you know, I just said, you know, give me a chance out of the bullpen. And uh, he trusted me, you know, that was kind of part of our relationship is, is we were so close that, you know, I, you know, I asked for one more chance and then I kind of just threw really well out of the bullpen. And so I thank him to this day that, you know, he didn't send me down, release me at that point and kind of gave me a couple more years to, to throw. Awesome. So what do you think your biggest takeaway is from playing minor league baseball? Not to get too high or too low. Um, when I first, <laughs> I first got drafted, got sent out to Arizona, you know, you got a couple days to get acclimated. You, you do your physicals and everything. And then I played, we have a short season team and a, a Arizona league team. And, and you kind of, I don't know how, I don't know what the process is of splitting the team up. Um, but I stayed in Arizona at our spring training complex, which was cool. You know, you have, you have all the luxury of the, the cafeteria and this and that. And my first outing, we're playing the, the Angels. And I just got rocked. I think first or second outing. And I was like, I'm going to get released. Like, this was like a week after I got drafted. I'm like, so I'm just down. I'm like, I just got crushed. We, I faced uh, Josh Rutledge, actually. So he was doing like a rehab thing. Hit a triple off a changeup that I don't really throw. Um, and I was just down. I was like, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting released. It was, it was not good. And then I found out that there, there's those peaks and those valleys in minor league baseball that you can't get too high. You can't live and die off of each outing trying to get moved up because other, there's other things behind the scenes that you don't know about, right? They want to get this guy a look. They want to do this, do that. And I just kind of figured out quickly that you just, you just have to compete. You just have to, to get better, to bust your butt day in and day out. Um, cause it's, it's seven days a week you're playing, you know, you, you might get one, two, three off days in a summer. Um, but you're playing every day trying to get better and, and kind of not living and dying off of each pitch, each inning, each outing, you know, just kind of stay in the course. And that's what I learned quick is not to get too high or too low. I think it's some great advice to, uh, pass on to everyone else. So speaking of living and dying, what is your, let's take a step back, favorite, Morton, Morton Potter's baseball memory. Who? Morton Potter's. I think it was just the guys, my senior class in 2012, those were the guys that I played with when we were eight years old up until we were 18. I thought that was really cool as, as we all stuck together. Uh, people like Christian Duller, Brock Christensen, Matt Hungate, Jordan Warner. We played at Westwood Park from Mustang, Bronco, Pony. Um, then we went out to the old high school baseball field, and then we ended up um, remodeling what is now Mike McDonald Field. And just stuff like that, playing with those guys our whole lives. You know, we grew up playing Morton Redhawks. Um, that was our team name and travel ball. And then, you know, just playing with those guys, winning a state championship in junior high, which was awesome. And then playing with those guys um, all through high school was was something that, you know, we still talk about. I get together with Christian Dullard and we talk about it, Matt Hungate, Brock Christian, you know, we talk about those days. And I think those friendships and memories and bus trips are, are what I'll take, take away from most. 
Yeah, well, your senior year was pretty special. Obviously, not just wins and losses, but a 30-win team, one of the most successful teams in Morton baseball history. But it was the opening of what's now Mike McDonald Field. Just talk a little bit. What do you remember from that? Because I remember just it being a huge deal in the community of Morton that suddenly there was going to be this new baseball field at Westwood Park that the high school was going to play on. Yeah, so, you know, we played at the other at the high school where the old field was and it was, it was okay, but you know, it just didn't feel, you know, we were put in like a neighborhood, you know, we wanted, we grew up playing at that, at that park. We wanted to, to stay there. And, you know, they have work days now out at the baseball fields, but this was double, triple the number, you know, everybody was out there working on the fields. And I remember one day we had practice us players and we had to pick rocks out of the infield. That was our practice is we took a big bucket and picked rocks and, it was just neat. I, and I remember my dad uh, being out there, you know, it was something us kids and our dads kind of did together. You know, we, we kind of supervised, but the, the, the dads kind of took it on and, and we were fortunate to have those dads. You know, they were also the board members when the, the Brinkman hitting facility was, was built. Um, my dad was the president at the time. And so just those strides that, you know, now those guys are winning state championships and stuff, which is awesome. But um, just being there for the, like the start of, of that baseball field and seeing what it is now producing a state championship team and, and that indoor hitting facility that so many kids use and stuff. So it's just, it's been, it's been crazy that, uh, that we were a part of that at, at a, a young age. Absolutely. Let Eric jump in here. <laughs> you, if you, you can go if you want. Um, I have a question, but so what's it like now, Will, to be back uh, working with our teams, you know, freshmen through varsity here, at that hitting facility that your, you know, your family helped build and you helped build the field. So now you have this opportunity to give back. What's that like? Uh, it's been awesome. You know, that, that's what um, those fields are for. That's what that indoor hitting facility is for is, is to get kids playing baseball, to get them, um, the kids who don't play winter sports, to have a place to train, um, get some swings in, get some throws in. Um, it's been awesome to work with younger players um, and just kind of enjoy being around them. It's more for me, it's just learning from them is being around the game, you know, having a good time and hopefully the, the guys learn a thing or two that they can carry on. Um, I, I had Keith Dullard actually was um, one of the guys who uh, helped me pitch at a young age, you know, other than, you know, my parents and, my dad taking me out to the fields and stuff, but um, learning from him, you know, kind of just wanting to pass along what I know, what I've been through. Um, it's been, it's been something that I, I've wanted to do as the coach. I don't know at what level or for how long, but it's definitely been a good stepping stone to, to be around these guys and to, to learn and to pass on some, some things that I know. Well, we've got nothing but positive feedback from the players that I've talked to. So keep yeah. doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Uh, Will, you mentioned winter sports. Let's talk about the other sport you played as a Morton Potter. Um, you know, we were talking before we started recording this thing about the 2010-11 Morton Potters basketball season. Um, you were part of that team. You know, it, it's arguably the best team in Morton history. I mean, you know, you could obviously, I'm sure people would debate that, but certainly the best in terms of advancement. Made it all the way to the Elite Eight. Just talk a little bit about what you remember about that year in that team I then it was a tough season right I mean we had these high hopes coach Brown Jarrett Brown's first season 
Um, we didn't know what to expect from him. Um, and we started off a little rough. We went down to the Lincoln holiday uh, Thanksgiving tournament and Lincoln beat us by like 40. And I remember a few weeks later when the regional pairings came out, we were put in Lincoln's regional and coach Brown remembers this. I remember this. I was sitting there. I was like, coach, the season's over. Like we just got put into Lincoln's regional and we're all sitting on the stage before a game and we're just all bummed. Like, how do we win so many games? We win conference and now we're going to Lincoln to play one of the hardest regionals I would have to say in the state that year. And maybe in the last few years, it was just a, a bunch of teams that had at least 25 wins. And I think we were the, the four or five seed. We had to play a play-in game. And I just, that regional will always stick with me. Um, we were down 18 the first game, came back and won, um, beat Lincoln at Lincoln, um, and then beat a really good Springfield Landfear team for the regional title. And then uh, beating Washington in the super or in the, the sectional final in Decatur was always good. Uh, always beating Washington is always a positive in any sport. Um, so beating them. And then, you know, we, we just ran into a very experienced uh, Centralia team, but that, that year was, was a lot of fun. A lot of, a lot of memories that um, we still talk about to this day when we all get together. And you said, right, I mean, one of the cool things, you already mentioned a couple of your best friends who were part of both the baseball and the basketball team. It's got to be cool just to kind of think about, you know, having played those sports with somebody like Christian Dullard, two sports for probably really your whole career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes for good conversation when we all get together. You know, we still relive those glory days. I was actually supposed to be in a, a Sunday morning basketball league with him and Bo Swinford. Uh, David Rossi, those guys up in Chicago, but uh, obviously uh, COVID-19 had other plans for us, but we still get together and talk about it. Yeah, we talk about um, some of those trips we took at, uh, took in, you know, American Legion we took when that was a thing. Uh, and then, you know, when travel ball and stuff, it's just, it carries a lot of memories that you can share with uh, guys you grew up with, which is really neat. Absolutely. And obviously just tremendous. And, 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 you know, it's not all about one win and loss record, but it's pretty cool that you guys are able to be as successful as you were in both sports. Yeah, it would, have, it would have been rough not winning games, but you're right. I mean, just some of the time, you know, some of the games, I won't even remember the score. I won't remember this and that. I couldn't tell you a lot of the scores, a lot of teams we played, but I can tell you about, you know, the hotels and the bus trips and the dugouts and, you know, stretch lines and stuff. Those are the, those are the memories that uh, we keep together and we, we can look back on and talk about and, and, and that's, that's what it's all about is those relationships we created and those bonds that won't ever be broken. So kind of thinking past uh, COVID-19 baseball, a couple years down the road, uh, you decide that, Hey, I want to do something else besides play baseball. What's Will, what's Will going to do? That is the million-dollar question these days. Um, so I got drafted as a junior, so I still don't have a degree, which has made things a little tough. I'm in the process of, of making it happen. Um, depends who you talk to. Uh, some people say you need a degree, which I, I told my mom I would get. Um, and then some people say you can't ever go back to play baseball, but you can always go back to school. So. Uh, eventually I want to, I want to get into the business world. Um, I think sales, if I, if I talk in a, in a corporate profession, 
uh, sales would be, would be fun just to get out. I don't want to sit at a desk all day, you know, get out, meet with, meet with companies meet with clients and, and do that. And, um, giving lessons that, that has always been interesting to me. Um, so if there was some, uh, way to stay in the game, but not really coach as much, um, or just, just kind of what I'm doing now is kind of help out and, and this and that. So, you know, I don't really know kind of whatever falls into place. I'm, I'm open-minded. I got a couple avenues that I, I enjoy, um, the health field, the business field, the sports world. Um, so we'll kind of see in a couple of years, you know, get settled somewhere and, uh, and figure it out. Play as long as I yeah. can. Yeah, play yeah. As long as you can though first, right? Yeah. Have fun while it lasts. Right. Thanks, COVID-19. Ryan, you got any last questions? You know, um, I just want to say, I mean, I, you know, just thanks, Will, for joining us here. Again, I go back to what you said, Eric, like nothing but positive reviews from the players that I think they enjoy having a professional around to help them out. And obviously, we as coaches appreciate the knowledge. And, you know, you heard him talk earlier, folks, obviously, you know, bringing knowledge that has been gained through interactions with a lot of pretty high profile people. Yeah, it helps being around uh, you guys. You, I mean, the coaches are great. You know, Coach Crawford, um, he's, I've known him for eight, nine years now. Um, he coached me in basketball and never had him as a baseball coach. Wish I did, um, but he was a couple years too late. Um, but then they, the players, they're great. You know, I think you guys know it as coaches. You guys have been doing this longer than I have. It's the, kind of the kids who, who make it worthwhile. And I've really, you know, grown close to some of them and, and kind of um, have that relationship and that bond with some of those guys, which uh, makes it a lot easier and more, more enjoyable to show up to the park every day. All right. Before we wrap up though, Eric, we got our first, uh, our first question from a listener. Yeah. So uh, one of our favorite listeners for coach Lindley and myself is gotta be our principal, Miss Ripka. She's probably the most diehard listener that we have. So shout out to Miss Ripka there. So, her question was, she wanted to know the top five all-time Wharton girls basketball players. So maybe right. Will can help us out with this, too, since he was there a little bit before us. Yeah, you know, but so I start, I'll just go, so my first thought when I saw her question was, okay, the first five people that come to mind, the first five that came to mind were Cindy Baumgartner, Tracy Pontius, Brooke Bisping, Brandy Bisping, and Tenley Dahl which is a pretty good team. But then I looked at the stats that are that my good friend, Ralph, who's our statistician for MPTV, you know, he gives me loads of stats and I always keep them. Well, it turns out those are the top five all-time leading scores in program history, which means, I mean, it means I made a pretty good pick, but I felt like it, I made too easy of a pick yeah. with those five. But you got to score to win. So that's probably a very key element in girls basketball. Usually if you put more points in the opponent, you win the game. So I think your picks are pretty right on. That's true. Now, Will, you said, though, you, you saw Tracy Pontius play. I actually never saw her play. You would just talk a little bit about that. What I, yeah, I said earlier, you know, we used to, growing up, we would go to girls' games. Like, that was what we did on the weekends. You know, when Tracy played, she was something else. You know, we always said that she could have played on the boys' team. She was that good. Um, you know, back when there was two classes, not taking anything away from – the Lady Potters, because their historic run has been incredible, and I was there at Redbird this year, heartbreaking loss. Um, but back with, you know, anything, like back to the team that, you know, arguably is the best team in, in school history, lost in, what was it, the sectional with one team yeah. or two classes? 
Yeah, the best, the, arguably the best boys team, right? 78, 79, lost in the sectional. Right? Yeah, so back when there was two classes, it was, it was, it was tough. You know, it, it was really tough. You know, you got the big schools and you got the small schools and nothing in between. Um, but Tracy was the best player on the court every single game, every single time. So, I mean, she's, her, your team, your all-time team starts and ends with her for sure. And then, you know, you, you pick some good players. Um, I don't know, obviously, uh, just from my lifetime on that I can speak of, but, you know, Brooke was incredible. Brandy was great. I'm throwing, you know, I'm biased with the Dullard family. I'm throwing Lindsay yes. Dullard in there. Um, that was my suggestion. She's looked out to be pretty good this year. And you got, you know, being left-handed too, myself, you know, you got to have that lefty dynamic uh, on that wing for you. You know, you, you know, people aren't used to it, you know, just like a lefty pitcher. Um, somebody can drive left, finish left. Uh, she, she's great. She was always shooting on the, the driveway. We would always drive by their house and she'd be getting shots up. And so she put in the work. I think she goes up there. And I, I was a big fan of Mariah Nimmo when, yeah. she, when we were in high school. She point guard, uh, really good. So I think those between the Bispings and Dullard and then Tracy Pontius and Mariah Nimmo, that's my team. I like it. I'll throw one more out there. So when I went after I realized I picked the top five scores in program history, I went back and I was like, okay, well, can I pick somebody that isn't a thousand point score? My first thought was Kate Byrne, but she's like 985 points or something. So, I mean, great job. Kate would be a good pick, but that was too easy too. So I settled on one of, was one of my all-time favorite players on their first state team in defensive specialist, Kayla McCormick. I just, and I, I always love those players though, that, you know, they may end up with five points, but the person they're guarding ended up with two. And, you know, I mean, I'll, my favorite Northwestern player of all time, I get Northwestern in here, is Sanjay Lumpkin, who was that type of player on the NCAA tournament team. So I'm going to say, if we're going to score a bunch anyway, I'm going to throw Kayla in there to play defense on the other team's best score. There you go. That's a pretty good team. Like so. win some games. Yeah. All right. Well, we'd just like to say thank you for hanging out with us today. It was great learning more about everything that you've done, uh, taking a small central Illinois town, more in high school baseball, and taking that all the way to the San Diego Padres organization and now giving back. And uh, we're very excited to see what the future holds. But thanks again for being with us today. I appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Thanks, Will. Everybody, we hope to catch you on the next edition of Potter Time. But goodbye for now.